1: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Sunday edition of The Best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. And what a week it was as events around COVID-19 changed from hour to hour. On Fight Back, we were there for you, including on Wednesday when the Prime Minister announced a massive $82 billion stimulus package to help get through the COVID-19 pandemic. $27 billion of this in direct aid, the rest in tax deferrals. This is expected to at least go some way to relieve the anxiety and stress suffered by Canadians who are worried about how to put food on the table and pay bills. Then there is the worry and confusion about the virus itself. On Wednesday, Libby Snymer was joined by Dr. Michel Lariviere, clinical psychologist and professor at Laurentian University, and Dr. Nathan Stahl of Geriatrics and Internal Medicine at Sinai Health.
2: You know, what we are noticing for where there is age available about a A third of the cases are 60 years of age or older. And what we know from other jurisdictions is that the more severe cases, and unfortunately the ones that result in death, which is what we're seeing at the Lynn Valley Care Facility in British Columbia, are are happening in older adults, and they're also happening in older adults that have a lot of what we call underlying comorbidities, so other uh, pre-existing diseases or conditions that are placing them at risk. So certainly this is uh, this is just at the front lines of the virus. This is something that's affecting older adults uh, in a very serious way.
3: Now, you mentioned over 60. I mean, uh, these days, uh, 60 isn't that old, uh, you know, if you if your health is good.
2: Yeah, so I've been asked this a lot. Uh, you know, it's not just the um, sort of objective numerical age, so to speak, you know, 60, 65, 70. Just going up a year or two is not going to necessarily increase your risk substantially. What we do know is that older age... Uh, is associated with a few things that we think contribute to why the virus is, is more severe in older adults. The first is, as you age, uh, a phenomenon called immunosenescence happens, where your immune system becomes less sort of robust uh, than it would be when you are as a younger individual. But the other thing is, as, uh, as I touched on before, older adults, as you age, uh, you tend to accumulate more diseases or conditions, and these conditions and diseases are placing people at risk of having serious complications from the infection. And then finally, um, some older adults who have particularly a lot of diseases um, tend to also reside in long-term care facilities or retirement homes. And now we're starting to, or we have restricted access to these facilities Uh, But those can be a a site where transmission can happen very quickly, again, like we saw in the care facility in British Columbia. So it's not just age alone, but it's some of the other considerations that come along with advanced age.
3: I would like to bring in uh, Michelle Lariviere, that's a clinical psychologist and professor at Laurentian University. The psychological aspects of this, uh, I would think, are very significant, and a lot of people are just very anxious.
4: They are very anxious, and that psychological explanation for the anxiety is, is really uncertainty. And as, as a species, we, we really don't tolerate uncertainty uh, for very long and or and, and too intensely.
3: So what do you say to people? What can people do to lessen their anxiety? I mean, exercise is one thing that comes to mind. We've been told we can go for walks. I know it's not as easy as when all the gyms are open.
4: Yeah. Well, certainly those basic things that are always recommended to us, like like exercise and, uh, you know, even taking walks and getting some sunlight on our face are, are good. But how we think about this whole issue is also important. So, for instance, it's important uh, for us to, to remember that uh, we shouldn't be overestimating the danger at all times, and we shouldn't be underestimating our capacity, either individually or collectively, to solve problems. And so I'll often tell clients, uh, you know, to ask themselves if they're overestimating dangers and underestimating themselves. When the answer is yes, then we try to think about things a little differently.
3: Dr. LaRiviere, La- would you like to leave us with anything?
4: Well, I'd, I'd like to leave you with um, the idea to, to maintain social contact while respecting the excellent uh, world-class uh, physicians and, and clinicians out there who, uh, who, are giving it, who are guiding us on how to do that effectively.
3: And Dr. Stahl?
2: Yeah, um so you know this is trying time for a lot of people um and you know my my major things that I'm telling people are uh stay calm but do have a heightened level of vigilance. I think we talked about that today. I think one of the primary things uh, and uh, and you know we we've, we've touched on this as well is get your information from a respected source. We're being overloaded and, and one that we know has credible information. And I think the the bigger message here that hopefully has been brought up in this is that uh, we need to rely on one another as Canadians to get through this, and, and I think we're seeing that across the country in many different ways, uh, acts of kindness that are, are popping up. And I, I think we need to maintain hope uh, even in the setting of uh, something very serious that's going on right now.
1: Dr. Nathan Stahl of Geriatrics and Internal Medicine at Sinai Health, and Dr. Michelle Lariviere, clinical psychologist and professor at Laurentian University. This is Zuma Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We continue to turn to the medical and psychological experts on Fight Back to help us all deal with the effects of COVID-19. There is new information every day. Some of the latest has to do with how age affects COVID-19. At first, we heard that younger people would not get very sick. Well, some new numbers from the Centers for Disease Control in the United States show that nearly 40% of the people who had to be hospitalized so far were between 20 and 54. And nearly half of the more than 120 patients who were admitted to intensive care units were adults under 65. Also, many of us are feeling extremely anxious, and there are strategies to help us calm down. On Thursday, Libby Nimer was joined by Dr. Steve Jordans, professor of psychology at the University of Toronto Scarborough, and Dr. Matthew Miller, associate professor with the Institute for Infectious Diseases Research at McMaster University.
5: It's certainly not something that should be taken lightly. Although the case fatality rate um, isn't exceptionally high for young people. There are a lot of young people being infected, and by virtue of that, there are going to be a lot of young people who are seriously infected. And I think what, what's really important for young people to recognize is um, just because the number of young people who seem to have died is low. Doesn't mean that the number of severe illnesses is also low. And frankly, if you're sick enough to be hospitalized, you're you're in bad shape. Um, and so it's not—it's certainly not something for young people to be complacent about.
3: And I'd like to bring in Dr. Steve Jordan's. You know, it's it's interesting. I have talked to people here, you know, who clearly are anxious. Uh, I think it changes every day, but. I guess just the uncertainty of it all is something that is really putting people on edge.
6: Yeah, I mean, it should be hard to find someone who isn't anxious these days. Uh, We have the perfect sort of recipe for it, which is, you know, just this unknown future where we're not really sure... Uh, if we're in danger or not, so that kicks in our threat system, our sympathetic nervous system. Usually that system is there to help us, you know, take on some immediate threat that's, that's in front of us. But in a case like this where the threat is chronic and sustained, and, and especially where the magnitude of it, both in terms of, you know, how, how serious and how long will it last, uh, is uncertain. So that's kicking in our fight or flee systems. And, and that's what we feel. We are, our body is ready for action, and, and we kind of feel like we need to do something. And, and at its root, that's what that anxiety response is.
3: Dr. Miller, um, there was some information out of France that suggested that ibuprofen can make COVID-19 worse. So if people are sick with it, they should try to control their symptoms with acetaminophen, with Tylenol. But then we've just seen something from the World Health Organization that that, that may not be true, Correct
5: yeah so those that release out of France was um uh, premature in my opinion they They had some sort of anecdotal observations and theoretical thoughts that ibuprofen could be problematic and and the reason for that is I think in some ways based on the fact that potent anti-inflammatory steroidal drugs like prednisone, for example, we know that those shouldn't be used to treat um, coronavirus infection. Uh, ibuprofen belongs to a class of drugs called a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. And so people were making sort of hypothetical associations between the two. Um, but there are, there are really key differences. Um, so right now there's, there's no strong medical evidence to suggest that ibuprofen is problematic. Um, but you can be sure that people are, are looking, you know, very carefully into that. Um, if listeners are are overly concerned, though, there's certainly you know, um, no harm with using uh, Tylenol or acetaminophen, paracetamol, as an alternative, um, so long as they are not taking any other drugs that would contraindicate its use. I, I would just encourage people over the next coming weeks to uh, take the the advice of um, you know minimizing. Um, if, you know, physical contact with others, uh, only go out with ne- when necessary. Um, I know this is a big challenge, but the, the short-term pain, uh, will pay off in, in the long-term by ensuring that these measures don't have to persist, uh, any longer than necessary. Uh, and of course, I'm sure my colleague will, will talk about the importance of, uh, maintaining good mental health during these difficult times yeah 100% and and so you know the first tool of that again i mentioned before is guided relaxation
6: i highly recommend people look at that but for a less geeky option i also like to highlight um singing and laughing as as very powerful Antidotes to stress. And so, you know, last night my wife and I listened to the Beatles number one album, which is, you know, we know every song and we can sing along with every song. Um, and so doing that or karaoke, I'm suggesting in a family environment. Um, if you're older people, you know, bring up some of those songs that you know and love. That is a very powerful escape. Music has a way of engaging us in a, in a much more automatic way and kind of taking over our, our mind and, and in the best cases, our bodies as well. Go with that. Use that music power. Use laughter uh, every chance you get.
1: Dr. Steve Jordans, Professor of Psychology at the University of Toronto Scarborough, and Dr. Matthew Miller, Associate Professor with the Institute for Infectious Diseases Research at McMaster University. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. The COVID-19 crisis is prompting many of us to take a hard look at our finances and try to figure out if we are prepared for the future and prepared for an emergency situation just like this one. The good news is we can still get things organized and put our affairs in order. Joining Libby by phone on Wednesday, Mark Halpern, CEO of WealthInsurance.com, certified financial planner, trust and estate practitioner, and master financial advisor in philanthropy.
7: Hi, Libby. Wow, a lot's changed since I was in the studio two weeks ago. Right. I'm actually at home. I've got two kids in quarantine and another one coming from overseas on Sunday. So we're having a lot of family bonding time, as I'm sure Many of your listeners are as well
3: and and the the kids are in quarantine just because they've uh, arrived from overseas correct,
7: correct. Well, one came from the states in an area that was a little more susceptible. One came from uh from Israel, and I have another one coming from israel on on sunday willing.
3: okay, well, uh there you go. you have a house full yeah <laughs>
7: yeah well the, you know the one the one side of all of this is it seems like a lot of us are spending much more time with uh with family and loved ones less time with friends and coworkers and clients, but uh, it, it really does make us very much aware of our more mortality and, uh, and our families and what we have in plans. And uh, it's definitely a time to be thinking about things that most people don't think about when the times are so good.
3: Mark, what advice do you have?
7: Well, the first thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of information out there I call misinformation. And when we're all nervous and anxious and stressed, you know, sometimes we make mistakes, including yours truly. And I think the first thing is is really, yes, we have to take care of ourselves, our health and our families, but it's really not to panic. I think a lot of people are very anxious about the markets and what's happening to their uh, life savings or their retirement savings, uh, let alone their own ability to pay bills because they might not be working or are working from home and seeing their incomes reduced, so It's, it's, it's kind of like cliche to say don't panic, but you know, we have been through situations in the past where there were a lot of corrections. Uh, the fundamentals clearly were affected. This is kind of the first time we're having it where there's a biological issue that comes up. So the first thing is, you know, everything's just on paper and, and we've got to sort of hold, hold the fort for now. You know, they say don't, don't go going, don't go ahead and, and fix a, a ship in the middle of a hurricane.
3: One of the points that financial people make with me all the time is that when the market goes down, it goes down very precipitously, very quickly, but it has, in the past, tended to come back that way too. And if you're out of the market on the the three or four huge days where it comes back, you know, you're out of luck.
7: Yeah, look, we're going to see a lot of volatility for the next little while. There's no question until things, until this sort of tsunami of this uh Virus passes through. God willing, it should happen very quickly. But yes, in the past, the markets have bounced back, and anybody who sort of stayed the course was the beneficiary of that. You know, the worst thing you can do is you know buy high and sell low. And there's a feeling of sort of wanting to, you know, hunker down and get out of the markets. But you know, this is where it really comes down to: don't do it yourself. You really do need to have a professional advisor, somebody who's looking at your your things and staying in touch with you to calm those nerves and be able to provide you the guidance when the seas are rough.
3: I guess, you know, in in regular times, most people don't necessarily think, what happens if I get sick? Am I prepared financially for that? And and this event, you know, might make them uh, have that thought.
7: Yeah, that's a good point. And it's, it's sad, sad, but true. You know, when things are good, we're, we're not really thinking about the worst case scenarios. And and unfortunately, when things are not so good, that's when we start thinking about our families' and our mortality. Yeah, um, you know, I think this comes back, in, as we've had these conversations before, Libby, a lot of people are focused on the offense, you know, investing and, and making money. But this is a time to look more at the defense. Like, am I prepared for a setback like this? And And that really comes down to looking at some very basic planning things that people can be doing right now from their own home, to make sure that they're they're properly looked after such as you know do i have a will like getting a will in place or or having powers of attorney to have somebody be able to take care of my finances or my personal health if i'm i'm unable to do that there are lawyers that we can introduce people to right away to get those things done but even more importantly is just even having an estate directory Libby. that's just writing down where everything is of yours, you know, the bank accounts, the wills, where's your key to the safety deposit box, digital passwords, where's the life insurance policies. Now, most of us carry all this information on in our heads, and it's so important that your spouse or somebody other than you and your spouse knows its whereabouts at all the time. And we have a free estate directory available at our website. If people go to wealthinsurance.com, they can get a copy, and I suggest that they take the time to fill that out.
1: Mark Halpern, CEO of Wealthinsurance.com, certified financial planner, trust and estate practitioner, and master financial advisor in philanthropy. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's best of fight back. Scammers will use any opportunity to rip you off, including the COVID 19 global pandemic. And even though this emergency has brought out the best in most people, it also brings out the worst in others. It's something to remember while taking care of so much additional business during this global crisis. Joining Libby on Thursday to talk about financial relief offered by the federal government, Jamie Gollenbeck, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC and on the COVID-19 related scams, Tony Anscom, Chief Security Evangelist at ESET.
8: So we've seen a a number of scams that that are becoming quite prevalent. Uh, For example, emails that look and feel like they're from the World Health Organization or other reputable bodies, uh, which actually aren't. Uh, those are delivering nasty things like malware onto, onto people's machines. And we're seeing cyber criminals actually retasking existing infrastructure uh, and using it for, for COVID-19 campaigns. So where they were in sextortion and other difficult things like that, or strange things like that they've actually reworked their campaigns and reusing their infrastructure so lots of different campaigns running in lots of different ways through emails or websites so it's important that we we all remember our our core cybersecurity awareness you know when you see an email make sure it's actually you know did you subscribe to the email the world health organization is not going to email you randomly unless you subscribe to their newsletter they're not going to email you uh, so delete it and it, you know check the address it came from that it looks legitimate. And if, if you think not, just delete the, delete the email uh, from the outset.
3: Now, I would like to bring in Jamie Gollenbeck, who is the Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. We just had a question from a caller about how to access uh, that offer of a six-month mortgage deferral. I mean, he's saying, yes, we heard about it, but we can't get hold of our bank.
9: Yeah, well, this is obviously a serious concern to both our bank and CIBC and all the banks right now. This information, of course, is all in the last uh, day or so. So obviously, banks are working on emergency staffing. And uh, obviously, the best thing to do is if you work with a financial advisor, uh, most financial advisors are accessing their emails and phones. So if you have a contact person that you've regularly been dealing with, I would reach out to them, leave them a message. They will contact you back. Uh, it may take a few days to be able to get back to people because obviously this is an unprecedented situation. Uh, People are working from home, and uh, in many cases, uh, some centers have closed. But we're doing the best we can to keep up with the enormous volume of of client uh, calls right now.
3: My understanding with these always is that if you defer a mortgage payment, that payment plus the interest is going to be added on to the amortization of the mortgage, right?
9: Generally speaking, that's right.
3: Is it worth deferring it even if you don't absolutely have to?
9: Yeah, so I don't think that you're going to be having to prove that. That's going to be an impossible administrative uh, task for banks aren't going to sit there and try to judge whether someone can or can't, right? So I think it's basically uh, a way of giving people that flexibility with cash flow during a particular period of time. Uh, The question comes down to whether or not you should defer it. I think it really depends on the source of, of cash flow that you need right now. So, if you really need the cash flow, uh, then you're going to want to defer those payments. Uh, otherwise, uh, generally speaking, it may also de- depend on the rate, uh, the rate of your mortgage. If you're getting a mortgage, your mortgage rate is below three uh, percent. That's pretty low. So, in terms of the actual cost of deferring it, what other sources of income that you have uh, that you need, and what you know, could you get a higher return than you know the two or three percent? So. You know, in most cases, if you don't need the cash, you probably don't want to defer. Um, rates are, are generally low. And where can you get a secured rate? You know, that's 2 or 3% guaranteed, which is really what a, what a mortgage does.
3: What would you like to leave us with on this?
9: Uh, I'd like to leave you with the fact that people should, uh, you know, just obviously stay healthy, uh, certainly stay home to the extent possible. Uh, in terms of the financial measures the government has been putting into place, a variety of measures. They were just introduced yesterday. There'll be lots more information coming out. Use the government websites, the secure websites only to get your information so that you're not misled by anybody else.
3: Tony them, what would you like to leave us with?
8: Well, echoing, let's stay, we all need to stay healthy, and uh, I hope we do. But you know, as Jamie just said, go, go directly to the website. Actually, don't click links on emails uh, and don't fall for any scams. Nobody has face masks, hand sanitizer, or toilet rolls to sell you online. You know, so make sure you don't don't succumb to those cyber criminals.
1: Tony Anscom, Chief Security Evangelist at ESET and Jamie Gollenbeck, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby's Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Bill in Toronto phoned to relay his experience with an upcoming surgery during the COVID-19 outbreak.
5: Yeah, I was
7: due to have cataract surgery this Wednesday. And uh, I guess late last week, I read something about elective surgeries are are being uh, put on hold or postponed. And I hadn't heard anything from my doctor's office, my surgeon's office. So, so I was proactive this morning, and I give them a call. And she looked, and she said, oh, no, you're still okay. I said, okay, so you want me to keep taking my drops in preparation of the cataract removal and, and uh, show up 6.30 Wednesday morning at the hospital? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, I hadn't hung that phone up for 10 minutes, and I get a call back from a different lady from the same office saying, I just wanted to call you to tell you that your surgery has been canceled. Mm. (laughs) Wow. You know what? I'm glad I made that
3: first call.
1: Tom in Toronto called to say because of his profession, he might end up being exposed to COVID-19.
3: I want to point out the fact that everybody
8: seems to be able to not take the truck driver into consideration in the supply chain. We're expected to go to work and still get it done Regardless of the circumstances, everybody else is saying take precautions, but drivers have said, no, you still got to go and get it done, no matter what you encounter at uh, different suppliers and receivers and, and destination docs, uh, that doesn't matter. You still got to put yourself in harm's way and go home to your family at the end of the day, regardless.
0: And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week.
1: In fact, there were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the fight back knockout call of the week comes from Julia in Toronto, who's taking issue with what's become a household term during the COVID 19 crisis.
10: I want to address this term that has become so uh, mainstream social distancing. I read something from a psychologist who specializes in anxiety, and he suggested the word physical distancing. Because we're really not trying to isolate ourselves socially, but really to spread, to flatten the curve and reduce the spread of the virus physically. So we're very concerned right now about depression and anxiety, and I thought that would be something that would be a good change. You know, I already spent a lot of time alone because I work from home, but I have to say that um, this particular situation even affects me more than I would have expected. But I am trying to stay in touch with friends through the phone and other ways. So it's really the physical part that is more of an issue, and, um, and that's how the virus is spread. So I think people can remain socially in touch, but as I said, the word physical distancing would be maybe be more appropriate and accurate and would bring down the anxiety level of everyone.
1: at Fight Back Libby. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again next weekend when we'll round up the best of Fight Back.
0: The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham, executive producer, Moses Neimer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.